This will be our last message today uh, in a series that we, we went through the book of Philemon. So if you can go and get the book of Philemon this morning. Small little book and uh, so many phrases and things that uh, in that passage that were greatly helpful at least in my study. And uh, amazing how God can put so much into one little book and one little verse and uh, I appreciate that. Um, what we looked at are actually let's just look at the last the last part of the book of Philemon, the uh, the salutation, if you would. If you look at verse number twenty two, the Bible says, "But with all prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you." And we looked at that, and we talked about hospitality, being prepared to be hospitable. That was Paul's expectation. Of Philemon, that he would be hospitable. Look in verse 23, though. He ends the book this way There salute the Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And what you have here at the end of the book of Philemon is a listing of men. That Paul really has the same listing there in the book of Colossians. In fact, go to Colossians chapter 4 just to show you that this is something that has been repeated. Many times you'll hear somebody say, if God says verily, verily, or if he repeats something, you should pay attention. Well, this list of men is almost verbatim repeated. In fact, there's nobody in this list that is left out of the list at the end of the book of Colossians. If you look at in Colossians, verse number 12, the Bible says in Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, which is one of you, he's mentioned there. Look in verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greets you. All right, he's also mentioned there at the end of the book. And then if you look down at verse 17 and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast given, and, and all I'm saying is that these names are repeated. Verse number 10, Aristarchus, re repeated in the book of Philemon, my fellow prisoner salute you, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas. So these names are not just names that he decided to put at the end of the book. I believe it's the names the Holy Ghost wanted to emphasize. And he talked about how these people helped in the ministry. I, I, I'm going to say this, and, and listen, I... I, I believe our church wholeheartedly, I, I, believe we are, I believe we are in accord with this. Some churches say that 10% of the people do 90% of the work. I believe we have such a diverse church filled with all kinds of people that do all kinds of things. And I'm just going to say this morning, I'm glad that we have a people that aren't trusting 10% of the people to get the job done, that we have a church engaged with all kinds of people doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you would not know this, but we have a couple of our widows on Wednesdays that show up here at the church and they'll fold prayer bulletins and they'll fold the bulletins of the month. And those things get put out and you know nobody gives any kind of recognition for that. We don't have a position titled um, bulletin folder. But they do it. Aren't you glad somebody came in this morning and turned on the air for us? How about the lights? How many of you do not know who that individual is? Would you raise your hand? majority of our congregation. How many believe that if that individual did not turn on the air that people would be doing this right now and when they went home they'd say, well, I wish we would pay the electric bill or somebody to get that unit fixed. Where in the world is Brad Myers when you need him? <laughs> but somebody did that. Somebody unlocked all the doors. 
Somebody took time to clean the auditorium. I walked through it last night. Man, it was, you could see all the lines where the vacuum cleaner had been run. I think that's pretty good for carpet that's probably older than five years. Didn't you say that? I'm just saying there's a lot of people that are doing something. If you're part of Tabernacle Baptist Church and you're not doing something, I want to challenge you. Find something to do. Now, it may be that you have a prayer list. We have some seniors that may not even be able to come to church. We have them listening right now by way of live stream. Right now, right now, they're sitting at home and they're attending church the best they can because their body will not cooperate. But I'll tell you what they do. They, they go through and they pray for our people. They pray for every missionary. They pray for the preaching. They pray for the services. Hey, I, I'm not saying you have to be here on site to do something, but you ought to find something to do for the Lord Jesus Christ because you do make a difference. You make a difference. The difference you make is something that nobody else can make. In fact, if you're looking there in Philemon, the first name mentioned, if you look at that man, I could preach an entire message on him, Philemon 1.23. His name is Epaphras. You know, when I look at Epaphras, Epaphras is a common man. You can find that over in the book of Colossians if we were to turn back and forth. But the Bible says that he is one of you. Colossians 4.12, the Bible plainly designates that Epaphras is one of you. He's not the pastor. He's not the evangelist. He's not the apostle. He's just one of you. He's a common man. He's one of those men that are in the congregation, and yet he's listed here, there salute Epaphras, the Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Jesus Christ. It's something noted about him that he is a fellow prisoner, that he has been in bonds with the Apostle Paul, but it doesn't stop there. In Colossians 1, 7, it says he's a fellow servant, that he served the Lord with Paul. And can I say something this morning? A servant and a slave are two different things. We are not slaves of Jesus Christ. In fact, I would say this to you. The Bible is very clear that in, in, the, in, in several instances, Elijah, or rather Elisha, was the servant of Elijah. Joshua was the servant of Moses. He wasn't the slave of Moses. And Elisha wasn't the slave of Elijah. And when the new Bible's taken, insert the word slave for servant, all they're doing is confusing the idea and concept that we that are born again, are you listening? We that are born again, we serve Jesus because we love Jesus Christ. We don't serve him because we're under threat. We don't serve him because we're under bondage. No, not at all. Hey, are you listening to me? I was under bondage when I was living in sin and under the power of the devil. But the day that I got born again, I got set free from bondage, and now I'm free to serve Jesus Christ. Epaphras was a fellow servant. He was a faithful minister. The Bible says that of him in Colossians 1-7. He was somebody you could trust to get the job done. How many of you think that if we came into the auditorium on two or three occasions this month and the air wasn't on that somebody probably would lose their job? <laughs> Nobody raised their hand, but I know Baptists. We came in three times this month and it was hot. Somebody had me pinned up in a corner saying, what is going on, preacher? Do you know I don't even check anymore to see that the lights are on? and the doors are unlocked, and the air is on. I walk in just like you. I expect it to be on. I expect, I expect it to be on because 
Epaphras was a faithful minister. And there are common people that they're just always there. I can't tell you how many times, and she's going to be mad at me for mentioning it, but I have gone down to the little Sunday school department um, that is on the way out of the Carolyn Grace building, right there on your left across from the tabernacle room. And I don't think I have ever gone there and stuck my head in just to say hello or just to look at what's going on that I didn't see Mary Ramey right there at the door. I have never visited that classroom that Mary Ramey wasn't right there at the door. I don't know if she's letting people in or keeping people in. <laughs> it's something you can count on. And you know, to be a common person, well, I'm not the pastor, I'm not on the deacon board, I, I'm not over a committee, yeah, I, I don't have a Sunday school class. You don't have to have any of those things. You, you can be somebody that makes a difference just being a common person in your place doing what God has given you to do and doing it faithfully for His glory. Not for a paycheck. That's Epaphras. Epaphras said, I am going to serve the Lord and I'm going to be faithful in what I'm doing. You know, the Bible also goes on to say that he was, he was an encourager of the brethren. How many of you like encouragement? Maybe I should say it this way. How many of you do not like discouragement? You know, I, I listen, I, I appreciate I, Ken and Judy. I, I know they're going to be here. I, I, I still don't know why they sit up here behind me. I never pay attention, but I know they're there. And I know when I come in, they're going to be here. I, I don't know that I've ever heard Ken make a mistake. I, I, in fact, this morning I asked him about a song. He told me, I, I just gave him a phrase. He, he spit out the song, and then he told me what page that was on. How many of y'all are impressed with that? He knew which songbook it was in and what page it was on. Wow. Well, you know, the other night, the other night at Greer, our choir singing, only mistake I've ever seen Ken make. And I think he's playing one song and we're singing a different song and didn't figure it figured out until we got down the chorus. <laughs> right? But when we got to the chorus, boy, Brother Robbie started, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Listen, and I'm sure, I hope it didn't happen. I didn't do it. I hope somebody didn't come up and say, Brother Ken, don't you know that we're singing this song right here and you messed that thing up last night? We were so embarrassed. I hope, I hope nobody did that. Because if you did that, you're not an encourager, you're a discourager. To somebody that is faithfully always at their place, that loves the Lord, loves music, and no, it's not perfect, but have you ever gone up to them and said, hey, Ken, you're doing a great I try to tell Ken, I try to tell you, I appreciate what they do. I try to tell Hobart, I appreciate what you do. Listen, we ought to be encouraging people that are serving God, not pushing them down. That's Epaphras. No title. Not a Sunday school teacher. Not a deacon. Not a preacher. As far as we know, all he is is a common man that is making a difference. He is making an effective difference by being an encourager, by being faithful, by serving Jesus Christ with his ability. And I believe we could all do that. Could you say amen to that? Come on, I, I didn't say we all are doing that, but I believe we all could do that. And I think the Holy Ghost, if he was putting things in order, which I'm not saying he is, he puts Epaphras before Marcus. I believe that's John Mark. That means the man that wrote the Gospel of Mark. He puts Epaphras before Lucas. That's the man that wrote the book of Acts and the book of Luke. If God is putting them in order, he takes a common man and he puts him at the beginning of the list and he comes down the list and men that wrote the Bible that would be of note among so many other people. 
He puts them a little bit lower. And all I'm just, I, I, I believe our God delights in common people being used for his glory because then he gets the glory and not somebody that's in a place of status. I believe, you, you, you may disagree with me, I believe one of the reasons that missions is operated the way it, it does. There are churches that have only 50 people, 40 people, 30 people, and they send money to missionaries. Some missionaries are supported by 300 plus churches. You say, well, why don't we just have one great big church just pay everything for them? Because then that one great big church would have all of the recognition. But God takes little churches in places that nobody knows. I'm telling you to this morning, if, is Miss Sandy? I don't see Miss Sandy. She must be a Abby, do you, do you, have you ever been with the children's home to a church in the middle of absolutely nowhere? I mean, up the hill, down the hill, around the holler, in the corner, and then there's this church out of the middle of nowhere. I know the half. Have you ever gone into a church like that thinking, my goodness, I hope we get enough, well, maybe you wouldn't do it, but Rob, have you ever thought about, I hope we have enough money for gas to get back home? And then that little church brings all kind of stuff out. Maybe puts a bigger offering in your hand than maybe some larger church. You say, why would God do that? Because God delights in using common things. Common things, common people. And so I believe missions works that way because God gets the glory. Epaphras is at the top of this list because he's a common man that's making a difference. He's somebody that's causing an effect to take place, but never gets the pat on the back. God, hey, God deliver us from people that have to have a pat on the back to serve God. If you've got to have your name mentioned to serve God, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. If, if, you're, if, you, listen, if you have to be spoken of and spoken about and somebody has to brag about what you're doing, if you, only, if you only do something for God when that happens, then you are doing it for the wrong reason. Ministry is not about you. It's not about me. It ought to be about him. Right. Well, nobody recognizes me when I'm in the serving line. That's not the purpose. The purpose in the serving line is to serve other people so they can enjoy a time there. Right, right. That's Epaphras. Epaphras doesn't care if his name is ever mentioned. He's just a common Christian that's making a huge difference. So much so God puts him in the book of Colossians and in the book of Philemon. Epaphras. Look at the next name. This probably won't go over quite as well, but... <coughs> Verse number 24, Marcus. I believe Marcus there is John Mark. And I think when you find Marcus here, that you find somebody that not only the Holy Ghost mentions, but I believe that Paul is glad to write down the name Marcus. I know many of you know your Bible and you know the history. Go back just a little bit, if you would, back to 2 Timothy just a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11 Again, some of these men's names are mentioned often. I, I know Paul had a large group of people that helped him, but he mentioned some people by name. The Holy Ghost does it. Look in verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Right, we see him there in the book of Philemon. But look what he says. Take Mark and bring him with thee. He's telling that to Timothy. For he is profitable to me and for the ministry. The Holy Ghost recognizes that Mark is profitable not just to the ministry, but also to the Apostle Paul. In other words, Marcus is a very important piece of the ministry getting done. 
He's profitable. He's not only making a difference, but there is profit. There's fruit from what he's doing. That was not always the case. In fact, if you go back to the book of Acts and look at Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12 and speaking about this man named Marcus. And I, I believe this is something the Lord really wants me to emphasize this morning. In Acts chapter 12, Peter is in prison. And Peter, while he's in prison, God steps inside that place. And Herod has the plan to take and cut off Peter's head like he did James uh, prior. And, and, and the Lord goes in and, and, he takes and he, he takes and he brings Peter out of that prison. And he opens the gates and opens the doors and drops off the chains from his hands. And, and Peter thinks he's in a dream, but he's not in a dream. And, and I, I think I probably ought to add there, I'm glad that I have a God big enough to know how to unlock gates and how to open doors that men can't open. Amen. Peter's sleeping between two soldiers. Well, I tell you, that flies in the face of all the anxiety we live in today. People today say, well, we need to have CBD, you know, or, or not CBD, marijuana legalized. I know CBD and, and uh, marijuana are two different things, but we need something to help with all the stress. We need to calm things down. Peter is going to have his head cut off. The Bible says there in verse number six, he was sleeping between two soldiers. How many think that sounds like he must be pretty much at ease? Oh, there's nights I've lost, I, I, I know, like you, there's nights I've lost sleep. I, I couldn't sleep. The Bible says he's sleeping between two soldiers. And the Bible says, the Bible says in verse 7, Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. The lights came on. How many of you get up when the lights come on? Oh, I'm sorry. How many of you get up before the lights come on? How many of you just stay in bed all day? The lights came on. The light, there's a light in the prison. He doesn't wake up Peter. Then it says this, he smoked Peter on the side. He smoked Peter. That is not, you know, shaking somebody. Have you ever been shaken awake? My dad, my dad on church day, this is my dad now. My dad on church day, if my dad came into my room and said, son, uh, get up, we need to get ready for church. He'd walk in my room as a teenager, he'd say that one time. That's it. My mother on the other hand, my mom would come and she'd say, son, it's time to get up. All right, Mom, I'll get up, I'll get up. She'd come back probably 15 minutes. Son, it's time, you got to get up. She's kind of shaking me. We need to get up. She'd come back again. Son, it's time to get up. My dad, my dad one time through, he told you to get up. Next time through, I, 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 you're probably not going to like this. It's all right. It worked. The corner of the bed's coming up. I don't get to stay in the bed. In the military, they do a whole lot worse. Yeah. Well, the Bible says here that Peter is sleeping, and the Bible says he smote him on his side. It, to me, that, that, I would say there had to have been a progression. Light comes on. Peter. 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 <laughs> I'd say that's pretty sound sleep. I don't think he's filled with anxiety. And he's going to face the execution. Not an unpaid bill. Not a problem in the home. Not a personal problem. He's facing execution. And yet he's sleeping soundly. And probably didn't get any kind of medication given to him to help. You know why? I think he found peace in the God that saved his soul. 
So he walks out. The door's open. I mean, chains fall off. Door's open. And he says, you know, get up. So off he goes. And look, what he, look where he goes. And this is why I'm pointing this out for a reason. The Bible says this. Verse 12, and when he had considered the thing, talking about being loosed, and now he's walking out, he's a free man. He came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. So Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. This is sister son to Barnabas. That means that Barnabas was his uncle. But Peter knows exactly where to go when he gets loosed. He goes to John Mark's house. You say, why did he do that? Well, in 1 Peter chapter 5, the Bible says that Peter calls Marcus his son. Much like Paul would have Timothy. So either one of two things are true. Peter spent a great deal of time training John Mark, or Peter led John Mark to Christ. So that means that John Mark is very closely associated to the apostle Peter. Well, if you remember in chapter 10, there was a problem that Peter had. Peter, Peter was told to go to Cornelius' house and there's this sheet that comes down and it's got all manner of beasts on it. And being a Jew, he said, listen, I have never put anything unclean in my mouth. How many of you are glad that you can eat bacon? Can you say amen to that? I am not a Jew. I'm glad I can. How many of you are glad you can eat catfish and shrimp? You like that? I'm glad I can do that. Peter sees all these meat come down and all these animals. He said, I've never put anything unclean in my mouth. The Lord has to do that three times to tell Peter, hey, Lose your tradition, Peter. I'm telling you to go to Cornelius' house, a Gentile of the Italian band, and you're going to preach to him the gospel. Well, Peter does it. But I don't think he really embraced it because there are problems later on in Galatians. If you know your Bible, in Galatians chapter 2, the Bible says that when messengers came from James, that's the, that's the brother of our Lord, when they came from James, same guy you find in Acts 15 at the council that they're discussing about what do we do about these Gentile converts. Aren't you glad that God didn't leave it up to men to decide who gets into the body of Christ? He gets to decide that. And so... At, at this place, these messages come from... And so Peter separates himself from the Gentiles. And the Bible says that Barnabas is caught up in that as well. Now remember, Barnabas is John Mark's uncle. Peter is his spiritual father. And I'm certain if John Mark was there, he noted that. And they separated company. You say, why are you telling us all that? I'm tell, just stay with me. I believe that John Mark probably learned... He learned from his uncle and he learned from Peter that God's interested in the Jews and these Gentiles present a problem. And if you look in chapter 13, the reason I say that, Peter finds John Mark's house, but in chapter 13 is where you find your first missionaries going out. And as these missionaries are going out, they're being sent out and they go out and they touch the Gentile world. You look at verse number 7, which was the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Now, John Mark has gone with Barnabas and Saul, and he's watching that. 
And he sees something take place there in verse number 12. Then the deputy which he saw was, when the deputy when he saw what was done, believed being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. There's a Gentile that gets in. I'm going to say it again. Aren't you glad God let Gentiles into the body of Christ? Maybe for you that don't understand what I'm saying. The Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, but he came to the Jews. He came to his people. He offered an opportunity for a kingdom to restore it, and they rejected him. And so he said, he said, all right, now here's what we're going to do. At Calvary after that, I'm going to send my apostles out. They're going to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost part of the earth. That means that no longer are we just going to go to the Jews anymore. We're going to go to the whole world. That means people that weren't born to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob can now get in. I didn't begin off in a select group. I was outside of that. My people come from Ireland and Scotland, and I probably don't want to know where they came back past that. That's where my people came from. They didn't come from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's a select group that this Bible speaks much about throughout the Old Testament. That Abraham being the father of that Jewish nation. Well, we're not part of that, but I'm telling you, God decided at Calvary. That's why he rent that veil from top to bottom. God decided at Calvary that not only the Jews could get in, but also the Gentile dogs that were outside of the Jewish people. That means I don't have to be part of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob to get in to heaven. All I've got to do to get into heaven is to be part of Jesus Christ. Well, that was hard for Jews to swallow. They had all kinds of traditions. They had not just moral law, but they had ceremonial law. They had civil law. They had things that were very different from the Gentile world. And so John Mark sees that. And the Bible says that John Mark, that he went back... He went back home, and when he did, chapter 15, if you look there. After John Mark goes back, verse 37, and Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. So now they're going to go out on the second missionary journey. Barnabas says, let's take Mark, Paul. Verse 38, but Paul thought it not good to take him with them. As far as I know, as far as I know, the only occurrence in the Bible where Paul said, you can't come and be part of my ministry. He says, Paul thought it not good to take him with them who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. John went home. Now, again, I've heard all kind of people talk about it. I personally just believe that John Mark... John Mark was zealous. He would have been zealous about the law. His, his, his teacher, his mentor, Peter, was the apostle to the circumcision. His, his uncle was associated with Peter and separated from those, those Gentiles when mem members or messengers from James came. And in my mind, I just feel like that Mark was a, he was a, he was a very immature zealot to see Gentiles getting in and it bothered him. And he said, I'm not going to continue this kind of work. I'm going back to Jerusalem where our people are. I'm going to go back to the place where our people are and I'm going to talk to them about Jesus. And I think that Paul said, you know what, that's not the kind of man we need on this work because Paul understood the gospel is for every man. I'm going to say that again. The gospel is for every man, not just the elect, not just a select few, not just a few that have been predetermined before the foundation of the world. Hey, I'm telling you that God is not willing that any should perish. 
that every skin color, every nation, every tribe, there is not one kindred on the face of the planet that God is not interested in. Mark had a problem with that, I think. And he went back to Jerusalem. You say, why are you telling us that? Because in Philemon, Marcus is there. I think he had a change of heart and mind. You know what I think happened to Marcus? I think like many of us. Have you ever heard somebody describe this way? Boy, that guy's got a lot of fire and zeal, but no knowledge. You ever heard that? You think that's ever been said about any of our Bible college students? You think? Oh, Brother Kevin's graduated. He's going through our interns ministry right now. How many of you remember when Kevin came with the bright blue suit and the wooden bow tie? You remember that? Yeah. Kevin's excitable. He's excited about the Lord. I think it's a good thing. Well, when he first got here, he probably liked to shout more than he liked to know what the reason he's shouting for. You think that's accurate? That's like people that go to a losing cause and keep shouting for their team. <laughs> they don't have reason to shout. They're just going to do it anyway. Now, I'm not against worshiping when things are at the bottom. In fact, I think we ought to. I think you ought to praise God whether things are going well or things are going poor. But I'm just saying, many times somebody's described all zeal, no knowledge. And if Epaphras is a common man making a difference, do you know what I think Marcus is? He's now a matured man making a difference. At some point, Marcus came to the conclusion, you know what? I ought to be rejoicing that the Gentiles are getting in and not be upset about it. I ought not to allow these divisions to be something that keep me from what obviously God is doing. Let me make that practical. There was a time in this country, time in this country, where we were very segregated and divided. Now, I'm not talking about what your opinion about that time was. That's not what I'm discussing. But it even went over into the churches. And so you had churches that were designated as a black church or as a white church, or they were designated divided. So we, we, we didn't have the same, didn't have differences or diversities in our churches. And then sometimes that would happen and people would get upset about it and there would be a big ruckus about it. Sometimes people would get upset and they'd say, you know, we, we, we need to keep those things separate. You know what, I, I'm glad that in 2022 at Tabernacle Baptist Church, I know that that is not true of us here at this place. And I'm not saying that so we get points for being diverse. And I'm not saying that so we can impress somebody that's watching on live stream. I'm telling you, I'm glad that we have people from all kinds of nations sitting inside this building tonight. It is very, to me, it is, it is almost... It, it is such a conundrum, almost hypocritical to say, I want to support a missionary that goes to reach black people and brown people and yellow people, but we don't want those yellow people and those brown people and those black people to come here because they would change the structure of our congregation. Hey, I think if we're willing to send people there, we ought to be willing to have them sit down with us here. I can tell you this, heaven's not going to be divided into racial compartments. Did you hear what I said? Heaven's not going to be divided into racial compartments. Right. I look around our auditorium today. We have people that have all kinds of colors of skin. Some of y'all are so white, you glow. That's me. That's me. Well, that's more my son. He glows and he's got a red light on the top. <laughs> But 
I look around, some of you are, you're as dark as you could be. There are others of you that are brown. There are all different levels in here. And I'm just saying, what, what, a, what a bad tradition, what an immature position really to say, well, we're going to stand on this and no, you can't come into this church because you're not the same as we are. Hey, the blood of Christ, I hope we figured it out by now. The blood of Christ cleanses every man's sin and makes us all part of the same body. So we've matured in that area. I believe that Marcus did the same thing. There came a place in his life and he said, you know what? The fact that Jesus died for the soul of every man is something I should rejoice in and should be a part of. So God the Holy Ghost writes down, bring Marcus for he is profitable to me and for the ministry. You know what the opposite of maturity is? Immaturity. Well, this is the way it's always been, and this is the way it's going to stay. <laughs> we got a guy in our neighborhood, he cuts his grass with a real mower. And I don't mean real as in R-E-A-L. I mean one that doesn't have a motor on it. And his yard looks great. But he goes down through there, and he keeps he has to go this way and that way. And it takes him a long time to cut his grass. How many of you are glad there's such a thing called a riding mower? Yeah. Well, this is the way it's always been. Listen, we don't have any bathrooms in this facility. We're very close, very close to beginning that project. But at one time in this country, the only facilities that you were able to use in most places was outside. I'm curious, how many of you had to use facilities outside? Would you raise your hand? How many of you have never, never been inside a little box made out of wood with a hole somewhere. How many of you have never, never done that? Would you raise your hand? Hold it up high. How many of you are not sorry you have never done that? Well, that's just the way it's always been. When you get stuck and that's the way it's always been and this is the way I like it and this is the way we are and you bypass larger principles in the Bible, you know what? You're not maturing. You're staying in a place you don't need to stay. You need to grow in grace. Come on, church. You need to grow in grace. Marcus did. And because Marcus grew in grace, you know what the Holy Ghost said about him? He is profitable to me and the ministry. There's a lot of things that I did in my life immaturely. And I'm glad that God can help grow you. And I want him to continue. I, I don't want to feel like I have arrived. I, 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 am, I, am, I am finally, I have, I've reached the pinnacle. You know, Paul said, I've not attained. He said, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forth into those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the calling of God and high calling of God in Christ. I think we ought to always be pressing forward. We are always trying to, God, shape me, help me, help my maturity level to, to grow. And, and I've watched it in the college I ne in my lifetime. I've never had the privilege to sit back and watch a group of men come in as a freshman and go out as a senior. I, I had never seen people in high school come in as freshmen and go out as senior. And there's, there's maturity that takes place. And sometimes you sit back and you say, wow, look what God did in their life. I think that ought to be something that God says about our church. I think it's something that ought to be able to say about us. And he notes that again. Marcus. Oh, my. Go back, if you would, to Philemon. Mm. 
no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to press something. I feel like I'm probably at the point there. I, I said that was the last message. Maybe we'll have one more. Um, this church, are you listening to me? This church and its success does not rest on my shoulders. I'm grateful to have been here to see all that God has done. But the success of this church is the same place it was when Harold Seitler pastored. He pastored a common church full of common people, and those people are the people that made the difference. You make the difference. A common man that doesn't have any position, but that is doing something that makes the difference, and you have to embrace that. And you've got to push out of your mind the lie of the devil as a senior. I'm too old. Or as somebody that's quiet. I don't have a loud personality. Or somebody that doesn't have any money. Well, I just don't have any means. Or somebody that's so young. that I, I just don't feel like there's, there's much that I can do. I'm, t- I'm telling you that the church is made up of common people that make a difference for the glory of God. And you need to embrace that. You don't need to sit back and say, well, no, you need to embrace that. Our church needs that. Your community needs that. Your workplace needs that. And I, listen, I, if, you, if, if God doesn't have something in front of you to do, come to me. We'll try to find you something. But if, if I didn't have something I was connected to making a difference, I would ask God, God, give me something to make a difference in. Regardless of my health. Again, there are people that are listening right now. I know they're listening. That they do not have the physical ability even to come to church. But they're still engaged. Well, I'm grateful for that. Common people. And just the opposite. Well, I've got to hear my name or I'm just not going to be involved. Oh, God, deliver us from that attitude. And then maturity. How many of you think it's a beautiful picture that Marcus matured to the place where he could make a difference? He grew. Are you growing? Are you growing in grace? Are you growing in knowledge? Are you growing on a personal level, on a spiritual level? Are you growing in your relationship to try to see that serving is what is important, not being served? Are you you at a standstill in your life? If if you are, I'm going to encourage you this morning. Why don't you come to God and say, God, would you help me to grow again? Can I say, listen, don't, don't, don't don't ever mistake this. Don't ever mistake Don't ever mistake, a church's growth is always dependent upon a God that gives it life. Did you hear what I said? A church does not grow without the help of God. A social organization might grow. You bring in the right rock music, you change all the dress codes, and you do all that kind of stuff, get rid of the Bible, don't preach it. You might be able to grow a social organization, but if you're going to grow the church of the living God, it takes God to grow the church. God, it takes, and it takes God to grow you and I. It's not a series of lessons. It's not things that I check off the box. It's God working in my heart. And he can take something that's dead. Oh, my. He can take something that's dead and dry or that's stagnant and it's gone no farther. And he can take and he can give it life. And I'm going to encourage you this morning. Listen, maybe, maybe this morning you'd say, God, please 
put your hands on me. Help me to grow. Help me to mature. Help me to get past where I am now. He'll make you profitable. Would you stand to your feet? Lord, best I can, I preach at least part of the message you gave me today. And Lord, to, to know that our failure doesn't have to always be final. Lord, how many times have we failed because of poor decisions or maybe uninformed decisions or we failed because we acted too quick or too slowly. And Thank you, Lord, for a space of grace that you give for us to be able to to move beyond those moments and times. And Lord, thank you. Thank you for helping us to grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Thank you for helping us to grow in love. And, and I pray you'd help our church to, to be an example of that. I pray you'd help us individually to see that common people make the difference. Help us to see, Lord, that we don't have to be a great people. We just need to have a great God. And I pray, Lord, that you'd have your way today in this few moments of introspection about ourselves. Help us to maybe finally decide to move past where we're stuck and decide to grow. To finally get past the place that maybe we've sat for far too long. I pray you'd help us to do that for Jesus' sake. And we'll thank you in his name. Amen. Brother Ken's going to play on the organ. Brother Hobart, if you want to sing, we have several folks praying at the altar. Why don't you come join them? God spoke in your heart. Work for the night is coming, work through the morning hours, work while the dew is sparkling, work mid-spring in flowers, work while the day grows brighter under the glowing sun, work for the night is coming when man's work is done. Work for the night is coming. Work through the sunny noon. Fill brightest hours with labor. Rest comes sure and soon. Give every flying minute something to keep in store. Work for the night is coming when man works no more. All right. Well, how many of you are glad we have a mature church? <laughs> how many have ever been in a situation with a lot of immature people? That's not fun, is it? Brother Bryce Rudd is here this morning. I believe his dad's here with us today. I want him to close out in, in just a word of prayer. But uh, he is in, uh, he's in Kansas. I, I, I believe I, I, I cannot recall the name of the city. Okay. Brother, if you want to just say a word about Kansas and the need that's there. And uh, we're delighted to have Brud, or, or Brud, Bryce Rudd, Bryce here and his sister Emma somewhere I know. There's Emma, sang for us last week and uh, appreciate this family, appreciate this pastor. But there's a need out there, and I know some people don't ever see it out west. There's a huge need out west. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that and then dismiss an order prayer. Brother, good to have you today. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Thankful for the will of God. Uh, thankful that God has 
bigger churches, and he's got small churches, but he doesn't have any little churches. What I mean by that is every church is precious to the Lord. Every people is precious to the Lord. And uh, I'm thankful for Tabernacle, thankful for Brother Logan, thankful for each and every one of you and how gracious you've been to our children and uh, gracious to these Kansans that are come out here. But uh, I thank the Lord for his precious, uh, perfect will that God allow us to serve him. And uh, I'm thankful for uh, God allowing me to serve him. The Lord's been good to us. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? But let's seek his face. Let's thank him for how he has graciously allowed us to hear his precious word be preached by the man of God. And uh, let's seek his face together as we pray. Lord, we do thank you, dear God, for your precious word. We thank you for the grace. We thank you, God, for the church, Lord. And God, what would we, where would we be without the precious church, Lord? Thank you, God, for allowing us to have that gift in our lives, Lord, where we come and hear the word exhorted and preached to us. And God, where the spirit of God meets with God's people and lifts us out of the darkness into your light. And Lord, uh, thank you, dear God, for all the help we've received today. Thank you, dear God, for your love for us, Lord. And uh, Lord, if you tarry your return this afternoon, we look forward to meeting with God again this evening, Lord, and we bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.